Well, good evening, Center Street Church. It is great to be together for our night of worship. Isn't it awesome? Woo! Oh, what an amazing time we've already had so far. You know, every generation has had moments in history where everything in their life changed and their priorities and their values and, and the things that they felt were really, really important were put to the test. Friends, we've just gone through one of those times. The pandemic exposed something that we didn't really want to talk about or, or even face. It actually exposed something that we've worked really, really, really hard to not talk about, to, to avoid it. And that thing is loneliness. It's not a fun word, is it? And it's, it's not something we enjoy. It's actually something that we've all felt at least once, once in our life. And, and all through our lives, we do things that... We, we purposely do things to try and avoid loneliness. And that's because each of us craves deep relationships. We join clubs at school. We join sports teams. We invite others to watch parties on Netflix because we can't watch it alone. We attend youth group. We go to young adults. We come to church because we are all hoping to find connection with other people, to find relationships, to be known. And our craving for connection can be seen through our daily habits and our behaviors. With a click of a button, each of us, with a cell phone, we can communicate with someone wherever they are in the world, through video or texting or whatever it might be. That's your choice of uh, medium. Over 3.3 billion uh, people use WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger each month. Over a billion, uh, inst there, there's over a billion Instagram users, and 70% of Instagram users are under the age of 35. There are a ton of group workout channels on YouTube. There's things like CrossFit that are all designed so that you work out together because when you work out with other people, you are significantly more likely to achieve your fitness and health goals. Now, clearly... I am not on the group workout plan. I work out alone, apparently, because <laughs> I am not reaching my fitness and health goals. And we may uh, be the most connected generation in history, but recent studies show that 50% of us are currently in a state of loneliness and feeling isolated from others, lacking relationships that are meaningful. Douglas Nemesek, the chief medical officer for one of these studies, he said, uh, he just summed it up beautifully. He says, what this comes down to is that we as a society are experiencing a lack of connection. And God knows that each of us has this deep desire to be in relationship with other people. And his heart breaks. It breaks him when he sees us going to try and find those relationships with, uh, uh, in the wrong places with the wrong people. It hurts him. And outside of your decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the decisions that you make around who you spend your time with and how you build community with other people are some of the most important decisions that you're gonna make in your life. And now when you look through the Bible, God says some amazing things about his plan and his design in relationships. Now, because time is short, I, I'm going to focus on three things that are critical for us to begin to understand God's design and plan for community in our lives. And as we go through them, I'm going to be asking you some questions just to think about, saying, what, what, what does that mean for me? So first thing is this. We were created for community. Everyone say created. created. 
Oh, it's okay. Everyone say created. created. Perfect. All right. In Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, we see God's original design for humanity, for this world. There we read that God is in the process of creating all things. He's in the process of creating the heavens, the earth, the plants, the animals, and humankind. Adam, the first human over the course of six days. You read over and over again this statement. God made it, and it was good. God made it, and God saw that it was good. And it says in Genesis this. Let us make mankind in our image in our likeness. And this, of course, is referring to the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They enjoyed a perfect love and fellowship, a perfect relationship. When they created uh, humans, when God created humans, they did it for a reason, because God desired for us to be part of that community, that perfect relationship. The world and all creation at that time was sinless. It was perfect. It was a paradise. And Adam had this sweet gig. It was like awesome. He's like walking around, naming all creation, enjoying this paradise and all that was in it. And he had this perfect connection with God that wasn't broken yet. It was perfect. But in the midst of it all, in all this perfection, God points out that something wasn't good. And we read this. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Did you notice who said that? Who was it? Who, who said it? God, it's not a trick question. <laughs> no, God said that. It wasn't Satan who came and said those words and whispered them in Adam's ear. No, it was God who said that. And God created another human, Eve, to address the aloneness of man. In the, the way the Trinity had each other, God recognized that it wasn't good for man to be alone. He knew that we thrive, we do best when we are in relationship with others. And yes, God also desired for a man and woman to leave their parents, to unite in marriage, and to have families. We were created, though, to be in relationship with others. But God just doesn't want it to be any relationship. He desires for us to be in the community with other Christ followers who are passionately pursuing Jesus, who know the real us, who sharpen and, and apply scripture to one another's lives in the situations that we face, and who are in mission together and to accomplish God's kingdom purposes in this world. In the New Testament, we read uh, and see uh, after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension into heaven that God instituted the church, the body of Christ, as a community of believers. And these were Christians who were passionately pursuing Jesus and devoted to one another daily. In 1 Corinthians it says this, now you, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. Jesus says that he is the head of the body and the followers of his make up all the different body parts, the hands, the feet, the eyes, uh, and all of us are different. All of us are different, but we are all important, and we need each other to accomplish God's purpose in this world. No part of the body is more important than the other, but each one of us, each Christ follower is needed. If I lost my finger in an accident, like my dad did, it stopped being part of my body. 
on its own, my finger cannot survive. It's dead. And really, it's lost its purpose. God desires for you to be in relationship with other Christ followers and be part of the body, not be the severed finger. <laughs> now, sometimes we, we slip into this thinking, oh, man, you know what? All I need is just Jesus in me. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I just need Jesus. I don't need other people. And that conclusion may have come from past experiences where you might have been hurt by a group of people you felt uh, that hurt you in, uh, in, a, in a wrong way, or maybe your schedule was too busy. The all I need is Jesus approach may be simple and it may feel good for a time, but God desires so much more. Just to be clear, your relationship with Jesus is your first priority, and it should be just Jesus and you first. That is the picture of the perfect community that God intended from the very, very beginning. But God desires so much more for you as you follow him. He wants you to be part of the body and in relationship with other Christians. In Proverbs it says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. You need to have a relationship with God, but we also need one another. It isn't good for us to be alone. So the question for you is this. Have you resisted community in your life? And if so, why? So firstly, you were created to be in community. Secondly, community is about doing life with the people of God. Everyone say, let's all say it together, doing life. Perfect. Doing life with people, it's a pretty big concept. But the entire New Testament is full of examples of what it means to do life with other people. Jesus modeled for us what it meant to be doing life in a community. He had the disciples that he loved and he cared for, and, and he invested in them. They ate together, they walked together, they ministered together, they served one another, they cared for each other, they were on mission together. In Acts, we see the early church, and they were meeting together on a daily basis, hearing the scriptures taught and sharing all that they had. And the Bible is full of examples of how we should be doing life together as Christians. Life together means we love one another, we biblically counsel and lovingly challenge one another, we build up, we comfort, we pray for, we encourage one another daily, we confess sin to one another, we care for one another, we're hospitable to one another, use our gifts to serve one another, we honor one another, we live in peace with one another, and there are so many more one another's. This is a glimpse of the one another's of scripture. And we can't live them out when we are doing solo Christianity. We can't do it if we're living as solo Christians when we're doing just the Jesus and me stuff. We need to be in community with God's people to live these things out. In Romans 12, 10, it says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. When you read this, it, is, it isn't describing a casual relationship and a casual friendship. This isn't just showing up and talking about sports and, and video games and the weather and what's new on Insta, and then, you know, hey guys, how's your week? Oh man, yeah, it's really, really hard, yeah. And you know what, uh, you know what, we should pray about this. And, and I'm sure Jesus has uh, probably got something to say about that, and you might read a verse and then 
it's over. You go home. That is not what we're describing when it says devote yourselves to one another. When it says devote, it means strong love and loyalty. It's a commitment to the other person. It's about digging in and moving past all the surface stuff that we try and use in our conversations on a regular basis. But it also means being present when a whole bunch of things happen in a person's life and everything goes wrong. When life stuff happens, when you don't get into the school that you wanted to get into, when you break up or you have a medical emergency or maybe when you lose your job or some other major crisis happens. Devoting to one another means you're there for each other. Hebrews 3.13 says we should encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We are prone to being fooled, to falling into the temptation of believing lies about ourselves or the situations that we're facing. We need to encourage one another daily to remind ourselves of who God says that we are, to remind ourselves of where we get our identity from in him and to spur us on to be obedient to the things that Christ is calling us to. In John 13, 35, Jesus said this, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The way that we do life together and live out the one another's of scripture and love each other is how others will know that we are followers of Christ. Because it is radically different than the way our culture and the way our world lives. Community is about doing life with, uh, with the people of God. And it can feel overwhelming. It takes work and it isn't easy, but it's worth it. So let me ask you, how are you doing in living out the one another's of scripture with the people in your life? How devoted are you to each other? How present are you in each other's lives? So to recap, you were created for community. Community is about doing life with God's people. And finally, community is built and it takes time. Can you guys say with me, build it over time. It was a little bit longer, but it was good. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> when you find community with God's people and experience real, authentic relationships, there is nothing in this world that gets me more excited. But community just doesn't happen organically. It just doesn't appear. It is an intentional process that you engage in. In Hebrews 10, it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. When you find a place where you feel that you have community, you have to work at it. You have to devote to one another daily and not give in to stop and, and not stop meeting or giving into uh, slipping into negativity and negative thinking. People are gonna leave. They're gonna stop coming, and there's gonna be temptations to stop meeting altogether because of busy schedules. And there are gonna be personality conflicts in community. There's gonna be differences of opinion. Have you ever had one of those in community? You need to commit to building a community that God desires for you. 
It is an active process that you contribute to. And I know we're all busy. We all have jobs, we have busy lives, we've got a busy school schedule, and there's a lot of commitments that all of us have. And I'm the first person in line to say that I don't have time to do community. And I don't have time for meeting with people, with relationships and investing in them because I know if my schedule is busy, I've got five kids and it's craziness. But when I actually look at my schedule, if, I, if you looked at it for real, you're, you would see that it's easily filled with things like Netflix, video games, YouTube, working more than I should, media, and a bunch of other commitments. And I find those things creep into my schedule quickly because they're easy. And relationships take time and they're hard work. When you commit to being part of a community and building it, you are in it for the long haul. That you hang in there through good and bad. Building community means that you need to be authentic and talk about the real stuff that's going on, the real stuff that you don't want anyone else to know about, the 2% stuff, the stuff that we never actually share because you don't want them to know what's really happening in here. As you build community and work at it, you grow closer to Jesus in the process. So let me ask you, as you think of your community, the names, I don't know if you guys grabbed those little cards when you came in. Some of you might have written down the people that are in your community. When you look at the names that are on there, are you building into one another? Are you committed to each other? Are you authentic with each other? Building these kinds of relationships are a huge commitment, and it does take time. But community is totally worth it. And I know it because I've experienced it for myself. Over eight years ago, my wife Erin and I started a community group well, with couples from our church who loved Jesus and they, we desired to have a, the kind of community where we uh, lived out what kind of some of the things that I described to you today. We gathered in our home for weekly uh, gatherings. We shared a meal together. We read the scriptures together. We, read, uh, we prayed. We worshiped. And we challenged one another. We lovingly admonished one another. And we asked Jesus to transform us day by day. And we did our best to be a community that was in each other's lives outside of the weekly gathering to do life together that I was talking about whether that was going to the grocery store, soccer games, hanging out. We had backyard fire pits. We, we did our, our lawn <laughs> together. We, we worked in our yards together. We served our neighbors together. And we even vacationed together. And we didn't do it perfectly. We did it. And there was lots of bumps and bruises along the way. And I was tempted so many times to cancel or skip community group. And then my wife Erin reminded me that we couldn't because I was leading our community group. <laughs> and I was tempted to not share the 2%, the things that I was afraid to talk about in fear that I would be rejected, that they would see the horrible state of my heart, my selfishness and my pride, my sin, and they would reject me. So I would hold back. And sometimes I wouldn't say anything. I wasn't all in. But God 
was greater and is greater than my insecurities. And through his loving correction and conviction in my life, I was able to walk humbly with my spiritual family, my community, through my brokenness and take steps towards healing and hope. But I truly never knew how important community was until May of this year when our lives were completely turned upside down after my brother-in-law passed away suddenly. It was a heartbreaking moment where the busyness of my life stopped. My calendar was cleared. We were broken in the midst of a horrible tragedy. You know, Jesus didn't promise us a life free from problems and hurt and pain and suffering. He said that we will have troubles and sorrows. But Jesus says, he also says, don't fear, for I am greater and stronger and will be with you through it all. Jesus says that I have provided you another vessel of my grace and my mercy and encouragement, a community of God's people doing life together to be my representatives of my love to you and a broken world. Our community, my spiritual family, showed up for us in the hours and days and weeks after this. They'd just come over and they didn't say anything. They'd just sit there and they would cry with us. They'd sit on our front step, they'd pray with us. They delivered meals and coffees. They'd send encouraging notes and texts and emails. They took care of our practical needs. They mowed our lawn. They picked up stuff for us. And these were all tangible reminders that God had not forgotten us and we weren't alone. And I tell you that story because I hope that you know that a community like that just didn't happen. It took time to build it. And it was built through good times, and it was built through some really hard times. And it requires us, a community like that requires all of us to be authentic and real, to never hold back, to lovingly challenge one another, to put time in our calendars, to commit to being in community, to have a posture of wanting to serve instead of being served. It means we have to stop waiting for the perfect circumstances or knowing the right people before you engage in community and instead start being the right person and taking steps towards the relationships that God desires for you. It means that we're gonna pray and ask God to bring the right people into our lives so that we can live in a way that is so radically different than how the culture and world lives, that they will not only notice it, but they'll ask, why? Who are you following? Who? Why are you this way? So do you have a community of God's people that you are doing life with? Maybe you're realizing for the first time that you don't have a community at all. Or maybe you have some casual friends that just hang out but you're not really devoted to each other. Maybe you're realizing that you've been half in and half out. You only go when you feel like it. If the circumstances are right, if I hit all the green lights, I'll be there. 
and you realize you haven't committed and been fully invested with those you are doing life with. Maybe you're remembering how you've been hurt by community or how you've hurt others. Maybe you're realizing, I don't know the source of this perfect community that you've been talking about from the very beginning. I don't know, God. Wherever you are tonight in this journey, you have to make some big decisions about this. Tonight is a time of decision, my friends. You need to make some decisions to go forward. That means you might have to be more intentional with your friends. You might have to forgive someone who's hurt you. You might have to step out of your comfort zone and take a risk and introduce yourself to someone tonight. You might have to say no to some things, maybe turn off some things, maybe turn off that show, that video game or that media so you can be present with those that God has brought into your life. You might have to evaluate what you are dedicating your life to and who. Finally, some of you might need to make a decision to start a relationship with Jesus who is the only one who can fill that loneliness that you have tried so hard to avoid, to fill, or ignore. And as we make these decisions, remember that it isn't gonna be perfect. It isn't. Because we have an enemy, Satan, the enemy of God, who is described as a lion prowling around to seek, kill, and destroy, and rob us from the relationships that God desires for us. When we give up on community, when we start turning away from it and withdraw and we start to retreat and become hurt and angry and bitter and alone, he wins by driving us into isolation. But we serve a living God who says that he will not leave us or forsake us. Jesus says in John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Why not choose tonight to stop being casual about our relationships and to start being intentional? To trust Jesus when he says that even though it's gonna be hard, he has overcome the enemy, the one who wants nothing more than for you to be isolated. To trust Jesus who is greater than our insecurities, our hurts, our fears, and our failures. And to say yes to getting connected into youth ministries or young adults starting tonight. Instead of going out, getting in your car, why not stay? Why not? Have a conversation with someone from the team. Why not choose tonight to remember that he will be with you and he will not turn his back on you? Why not choose tonight to step out and start something new, to re-engage, to make some decisions, to find a community of God's people that you can do life with? And I can tell you from experience that when you pursue the community that God desires for you, you are going to experience a deepening dependence on Jesus because you can't do it on your own. You need him to do it. You're going to find a dependence on him as you trust him to bind your hearts together to accomplish his redemptive purposes in this world. 
I just want to take some time for us to respond. A time for us to seek the Lord and ask him, God, what are you saying to me tonight? On the other side of your card that you got when you came in, uh, there's some questions on there. First question is this. Who do I need to forgive for hurting me? Who do I need to seek forgiveness from? Second question is, what needs to change in my life for me to experience the community that God desires for me? I'm just going to give us a few moments just to seek the Lord. Ask Him those questions. And then I'll close this in prayer. feel the Lord is prompting me right now just to if you're comfortable turning to the person beside you the person you came with if you're alone that's okay just take a moment just to share whatever God brought to your mind tonight and then I'll close this in prayer God, thank you, not only that you created us, but for how you made us, that you made us to be in community with you and others. God, I pray for courage to step into the community that you desire for us, to help us to be the community that is a shining light in this world. I pray tonight for everyone that is here, God, who's struggling, who's been hurt, where there's pain, where there's loneliness. God, may you enter into that right now. May you restore that which has been lost. May you redeem that which the enemy has tried to take and steal. Help us, God, to live out the one another's and commit to 
investing the time and energy and hard work it takes to be a community where others are drawn to. May every community that is represented in this room be places where our hurting world can find the love and joy and forgiveness and hope that we have in you. God, we love you, and we ask that you would move mightily in this place tonight. And God, we commit the rest of our lives in this week to you. Pray this in your name.